Hello and welcome to episode 363 of the award-winning Burger on the Free. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRLP. And joining me as always is the award-winning League Freak. You can also find me on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate? Going pretty good, award-winning Rugby League Project podcast host. Um, how's things? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Um, my response just then was scripted. That's good. It's so um, so I want to make sure that everything gets fucking done around here. <laughs> so uh, how's your week been? You were telling me that you're at some rally in Melbourne fighting the fight. I know, I've, I've decided that uh, I'm going to have my own rally because yeah. it's just it's fucking protest galore. Everyone's protesting everything. It's great. I love it. Yeah, it's just uh, there's, there's protests all over. You know, just everyone's, everyone's pissed off about something. Hmm. So I've decided to have a protest as well. You're going to protest about daylight saving. Actually, that's not a bad idea. I should, pro- I should probably make that another protest for next week. You told when, me when we get told, the daylight back. Well, you told me that you you did one the other week, and nobody turned up to it. So you left after 45 minutes, but that actually turned up an hour later. That yeah, that was that was a bit unfortunate. Um, and it's because I invited a whole heap of Queenslanders. Yeah, well, that happens. Sometimes they turn up an hour later. Sometimes they turn up in 1963. So yeah, it's um, it was hard to work with. Like some, with when it comes to Queenslanders, you don't need to give them a watch. You just need to give them a calendar. Yeah, yeah. So it can be tricky, but That's um, true. yeah. I, so just just so people know, I'm I'm rallying against people who stand on the right hand side of the escalators at train stations. Yeah, those people are fucking annoying. Yeah, get out of the fucking road. It's for people who've got to walk and go somewhere. Get your lazy ass on the left hand side, you slow fucks. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that that's what I'm pissed off about. Um something, something, dictator Dan, blah, 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 blah. And, and freedom. Yeah, freedom, of course, freedom. Yeah. Yeah. Um so should are we gonna should we talk a little bit about some of the subjects in rugby league and then get into the comments or what? Yes, that sounds like a great idea for a structure. Okay, yeah. I'm glad we sort this out in the uh, before we started the podcast. So there's been a lot of talk in recent days about players who have decided against getting vaccinated and who will not be able to travel. Or at this stage, it looks like there could be restrictions on their travel between the four states, those four states being Victoria, New South Wales, Queensland, and uh, New Zealand. Um, now, people are attacking players over this, and I just think that it's kind of gross because players have chosen whether or not they get vaccinated, and that's a personal choice. It's up to them, and it could be made for many different reasons. And I just think that to attack players like personally over it, I just think it's wrong. Um yeah. The problem you've got, Freaky, is that you don't realise that that's the uh, that's the environment we're in now. Either you're either you're fully vaccinated and one of God's chosen few, or you're a filthy anti-vaxxing, disease-riddled cunt of a human. Yeah, and you deserve and you, to be destroyed for it either way. And um, you've lately rejected science, and you're probably a flat earther or not. Like you just. Like you can Nazi sympathizer. Yeah. Like you can just be somebody that's like, you know what? I don't, 
I, I just don't know about it. I'm just a bit iffy about it. And it's like, well, you must be a fucking anti-vaxxer. Fuck it's you. Like, just pump the brakes, man. Everyone's just a bit angry. Um, yeah. I just, just to let everyone know, I am fully vaxxed. I don't feel the need to, um, you know, promote it all over social media and stuff like that. It's something I have to do for work. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, I was hesitant. Mm-hmm. Um, not because of any of the vaccines, just because I hadn't been sick. So I thought, well, you know, I don't need it. I, in my view, if I don't take it when I don't need it, then someone else can have it who does mm-hmm. need it. Yeah. That's pretty much my attitude. Yeah, I went and got it because I had to so I can keep working. Um, simple as that. But I can, the, I can the, imagine, right? If you had the conviction to say, look, for whatever reason, I'm not going to get it at this stage and I'm willing to leave my job over that. Like that's a real honest to goodness feeling that a person would have to do that. Like this isn't something that you would take lightly. No. And I just, I just think to attack people over something that they obviously haven't taken light, lightly. I don't yeah. know. Something off putting about that. It's also showing that, you know, was it the courage of their convictions? They're, they're going through with it. Hmm. Um, I'm not going to say it's commendable, but at least they're, they're backing it up. You know, they're, they're not doing it as a some sort of promotional thing or something like that. They're, they're definitely sticking with it. So I, I don't get why people need to be so angry and aggressive towards people who aren't vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Um, even the ones who are not vaccinated because they think it's, you know, like a Bill Gates putting microchips and shit like that. Those people are just loopy. There's no point getting angry at them. Yeah. It's just too much, too much anger everywhere. I mean, we've been in lockdown for ages. We're finally free. Just everybody just, just fucking calm down. Will you? It doesn't yeah. matter. Like if you're fully vaccinated, good for you. You're, you're less at a risk from these people who aren't vaccinated. You know, put a mask on if you're worried about them. It's simple as that. Uh, yeah. Just calm down, people. Seriously. Yeah, and like, so I, like I'm seeing personal attacks on players about it's vicious with, too. Yeah, it's full on. It's really full on, and it's about their vaccination status. That's at the end of the day is a personal medical, you know, decision that they've made, and even if it's not based on medicine for the reason they've made a personal decision, but it's based on the fact that what they'll be able to do next, like March. And I don't know, there's something about it. I find off putting. And I think that people need to think about, I I don't know. Like we want players to be more open and we want them to be approachable and all that sort of thing. And you see people that get upset when they don't, when, when players decide to give cookie cutter answers and then I see this sort of reaction to players who have made a personal decision for themselves. And I think, why would you just not play a straight bat to every single thing that you're asked? If you look online and you see these reactions to a personal decision you made, which really doesn't affect anyone but yourself. Especially when all these players are in a bubble anyway. They're not really going to be out in the public. No. Um, you know, it's, it's odd and look, it's going to sound a bit hypocritical because i've i've had a go in the past at anti-vaxxers who are not vaccinating their children but um i find that's a bit different because 
when it's your own body, you have control and say over that. A, a child, that that's for me, that's a completely different matter. Yeah. Um, and I think children should be vaccinated. I don't think, but I'm not talking about the COVID vaccine. We don't know what's going on with that thing with kids yet. So that's another discussion for elsewhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. When it, when it comes to your own body, if you don't want to put that shit in your system, then that's up to you. If the uh, NRL says that, in full, you know, if they come out and say, right, if you're not fully vaccinated, then you can't play in the NRL until you are fully vaccinated and the player goes, fine by me, then what's the point getting angry? Yeah, and the other thing is too, it's there's so many Australians that are vaccinated right now. Like the number is really, really high. And it's not as though we're seeing, and it's only like a dozen players or something who have decided against it, against getting vaccinated for now. Um, and it's not like they're going out there and actively promoting to not get vaccinated. They've, as you say, they've just said, look, fair enough. You know, if if there's restrictions, I'll abide by the restrictions. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just found it, the personal attacks on the plays for a personal decision, I just found off-putting. And, yeah. Look, I, I'm, I personally think that it, it would be best if everybody was fully vaccinated. Mm. Um, <clears throat> but I'm not going to get the shits of people who aren't. I, I don't see the point in that. Because let's be honest. If you're trying to get people convinced to get vaccinated, abusing them <laughs> is not the best manner about getting them to do it. Yeah. Because these players who are on several hundred thousand dollars aren't going to go, wow, some unknown username on social media called me a fucking asshole for not being vaccinated. Mm -hmm. I feel really bad now. I might go change that. They don't care about your stupid bullshit opinion because they're not going to be around you. They're around other football players. That's yeah. it. They live in a bubble all their lives, even when COVID's not around. And, you know, one of the interesting things I've seen is that it's players from different pay scales, from the top to the bottom, basically. Yeah. And that shows that it's not a money thing. And we've seen players at the lower end of the, the professional rugby league pay scale basically say, look, I, I'd go and get a day-to-day -day job rather than have to go through this to play footy. And I think that on some level, that's commendable that they really, they believe it that much. But at the end of the day, if you're a million dollar superstar, a club is not going to fine you. A club is not going to, you know, sack you. They're going to do everything they can to convince you to get vaccinated. And if they can't, chances are they'll just say, well, you don't have to go to certain games. They'll find a way around it. Yeah. I think that was it was a bit it was a bit gross actually for me is that the uh, the telly decided to come out and publish a full list of the people who are not vaccinated yet. Yeah, that was fucked. Like why? Yeah. Why do That's... that? I, I don't get that because all you're doing is you're inviting people to a speculate on the ones whose names aren't on the list mm -hmm. and attack the ones who are. Yeah. I just find that absolutely sick. But that's that's the Daily Telegraph, isn't it? So Exactly. Look, if I was the Players Association, I would say to the NRL that they need to start looking at the accreditation of some of these mainstream media types. Uh, and it would be about protecting members of the Players Association because these, these mainstream media attacks, 
uh, are just getting worse and worse. And it's just at some point a line has to be drawn. And where is it drawn? We're now getting lists of players who have made medical decisions are now being printed out. Where's the where's the line? That's right. There there is no line. And that's the thing. The media is being allowed to decide where the line is and they're going to go, fuck that. We'll put the line wherever the hell we want. Exactly. And they're not going to put any line down. Everything's bloody open slater at the moment. So it's a bit, it's a little bit weird. It is. Um, Speaking of um, dick hats in the mainstream media, mm-hmm. um, did you see Mark Levy's comment during the week? Well, I'm blocked by that. So I didn't see it personally, but I saw the reaction to it and I thought, yeah, that seems about right. He's basically just said because the because news come out that the Queensland Rugby League are going to pay the women's players the same amount per origin game as what the men get. Mm-hmm which I think is a good idea. Yeah, and which, by the way, the men had to take a pay cut at origin level in recent years because of COVID. And yeah. so it's not like at one point we were looking at players getting 50 grand per game. Well, I think it's down to 15 grand per game now. Yeah. It's not heaps. It's not like it, it used to be. That's right. And we're talking about a game that's making, you know, Plenty of millions of dollars per year. Mm-hmm. It can it can sling, you know, a few million here or there. You know, even if it's a few million, it's probably going to be maybe one or two million. It was sort of going to be that much. Who knows? Mm. It's not huge. They can cover it, and it's not going to impact anything really that severely. But um, Levy's argument was, it, it, from memory, and um, happy to be corrected. I kind of had a little bit of goalpost shifting. So I started with, I'm a huge supporter of women's rugby league, but. Yeah. So everything he said beforehand means zero. Um, pretty much suggesting that the women should not be getting paid until the women's rugby league is providing as much revenue so as to cover that extra payment for, for the players. Look, I, he then yeah. went on pretty much to argue after that that um, the money that they're being paid is being taken away from essentially grassroots women's rugby league, which it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, that was kind of the basis of his argument. And a bunch of other fucking idiots got on there and sort of agree with him. And But the overall majority of people were pretty much just saying, Levy, you're a fuckwit. Yeah, and then people were right. Look, he's he's just a professional winger. Um, yeah. he, he practices trying to laugh like Ray Hadley in his spare time, and it's uh, which is his so, greatest achievement on radio too, by the way. Pretty much, yeah. So I I wasn't surprised to see him say something like that. Look, I know on this podcast you and me have talked about the women's game needs to be sustainable for the women's game. It's not for anybody else. It's for the women's game, and when they the game starts generating enough money that it is self-sustaining, it's basically all the money should stay with them, you know? It shouldn't go into the overall rugby league pot. But the thing about the women's state of origin game is it rates its ass off. Yeah. And if you had to take it as a standalone event, they would generate the 15 grand per person as it is. So, like... I think that there's no problems with it at all. Like I, I'm I'm big on the self-sustaining competitions, but 
it, it, you know, it's 15 grand per player. It's not like we're saying, well, we're giving them 75 grand per player and they'd be earning, you know, the same amount as they probably would be if they were getting, you know, 5 million people watching their games. It's 15 grand. It's not much for the game, for the game. It's big for the players, which is awesome. Yeah, that's right. And look, it has a flow on effect. If you, if lots of um, up and coming uh, women's players, see that there's actually good money that you not not money you can make a living out of at this stage for the women's game mm-hmm. but enough money to actually fund and look after you and make rugby league a part-time employment at the bare minimum that's going to get a few more, more of them coming along going you know what I might do this and the more and more people you come got coming into the uh, into the women's pot of players the more chance you've got of finding more elite players coming through mm-hmm. and the quality of players keeps getting better and better and better. Sure enough. So does the quality of the games. You get more and more players means you can start expanding the comp to have more teams. All of this leads to revenue. Exactly. Exactly. So you've got to look at, you can't just sit there and be stupid and say, Oh, if we've got money, we should put it all into grassroots. There's no point putting $6 billion into grassroots if there's no money at the top end either because people are going to go, you know, they'll get to the top end, kind of like what Rugby Union has. Mm-hmm. You get to the top and there's no money there, so you go to another sport. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, but it, I just think it was great. And I don't know what the New South Wales Rugby League is doing. Well, I'm I hoping have... that they follow suit because I think, I mean, I think the QRL is kind of putting them in a situation where they have to now. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But I would have thought that we would have seen the New South Wales Rugby League come out and basically do that immediately. And I don't know that we have. So, but they have to. As you say, they literally have to now. Yeah. Which is, it's it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. And it's cool. It's I've seen some of the women's players say that it will be fantastic for them because they have to take time off work to prepare for those Origin games. Yeah. Um, and look, you and me said the best pure rugby league game we saw this whole year was the women's state of origin match. It flowed beautifully, great skill. It was back to the old rules, which was great to see. Yeah. Uh, just it was great to see a footy game that wasn't ruined by pedantic, stupid rules that had been added to it. It was. Um, I, I'm more, they, they played. In, they played in the uh, the right spirit too. Yeah, like there's little things that, that often irritate me in watching the NRL games, and that is things like when there's a handover, and the the player that's holding the ball has, has to hand the ball over. Mm-hmm. He just does he doesn't hand it over. He puts mm-hmm. it behind his back. He walks away. He puts it down somewhere, uh, just three steps away. But it's a such a minor inconvenience. So what are you doing that for? Like what what do you gain out of that? What three seconds of rest? Is that really worth it? I, I don't get it. And there's little stupid things that they do like that, whereas the women just go, here you go. Yeah. And they just move on. It's all fair sportsmanship. And I just love watching that because it stands out. You see the NRL and you see it happen so often that when you watch the women's game and they don't do any of that dopey bullshit, it's, mm-hmm. it actually fucking stands out. You're going, look at that. They just handed the ball over like, like adults. Yeah. I know I have had... <laughs> I have had females in my life who I've said, you've got to watch some of this women's football. And they've been sceptical. 
they've been like, oh, I don't know about this. And I'm like, seriously, just trust me. And they've seen it and they've been immediately hooked. They've been like, holy shit, these girls smash one another. Um, And like one of the awesome games that I went to, when I went to the World Cup of Nines a few years ago now, and the New Zealand team beat the Australian team in the final. And it was it was a real upset. Like, everyone just thought Australia was romping through. They'd get the title, you know. And when New Zealand won, it was like, holy shit. <laughs> like, that didn't go the way everyone expected it to. Yeah. Um, but and, and I went to the women's test. I saw uh, part of the women's test where in Wollongong where they played against New Zealand. And that was a great game. And it was cool to see the women's players um, up close and, like, see the impacts up close too. Uh, it, it was awesome. It's like, it's it's great. I can sit down and watch a women's rugby league game and really bloody enjoy it. Yeah, it's not even it's not even hard. It's easy no. to watch, mm. and that's that's what makes it good. Is it? It is just easy to watch. You're just watching pure rugby league as it should be played. Yep, yep. Now, BJ Leilua. <laughs> hang on, hang on. I've, I've got a. I've got to focus because I know we're, we're lifting the uh, the intellectual quality of the conversation now. Yes. Well, BJ Leilua is a uh, well-traveled journeyman rugby league professional. Just ask him. He knows what it takes to be a winner. Just ask him. And he knows when he sees a club that is in a good position and a club that is in a bad position. And the difference seems to be that the clubs in good positions are paying him and the clubs in bad positions want nothing to do with him. And so he has attacked the West Tigers saying there's something wrong with the club because they wanted rid of him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's trying to turn the fact that he wasn't playing in the NRL as some sort of issue with Michael Maguire and how he's got some sort of set against him and how Joey Maguire, uh, Joey uh, Lalua, who has... Um, I've done the research here. Zero fucking experience as a coach and no premierships as a coach. Um, seems to think he knows how to be a coach better than a premiership winning coach. Uh, an international coach, no less. So it's um, it's interesting. Now, the other thing he said too is um, when he was at Canberra, Ricky Stewart said that everyone was allowed to be critical and they're all allowed to have their same voice, any issues or concerns that they had about the way he may, you know, Ricky did his job. Yeah. That's fine. That's, you know, Canberra's a team that's been in the finals a fair bit in, in the last decade or so. They got to a grand final. Mm-hmm. Now we go to the West Tigers and over the same period, haven't played a single fucking finals game. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, that says that not one of those players deserves the fucking right to question the coach, a coach who's been a international coach and a premiership winning coach, because there's nothing that they've done to suggest that they know more about how to win games than he does. Therefore, those players don't deserve the right to question him because they don't know better. I also find it funny that BJ Lalua is like, well, in Canberra, we used to do it this way. It's like, you mean the Canberra team that showed you the door early? Is that the Canberra yeah. team you're talking about? Yeah. It's like, can, can, I'd like to ask you, because you're a West Tigers fan, 
BJ Leilua's time at the West Tigers, on a scale of 1 to 10, how many good minutes do you think he played? Nearly one. Yeah. I, yeah. Think, I think that um, there, was like a, there was like one or two good breaks he made, and that, but there were half breaks, and that was it. Yeah. He's, he was a bad signing to start with. Mm-hmm. Um, because he just didn't fit the sort of the the play that the Tigers were sort of working towards, mm-hmm. and uh, his defense was starting to get sloppy. He's got the right size for it, but because he's been getting slightly bigger, well, he had been in the last two years at Canberra, his uh, lateral movement was just non-existent, and so t- players were just running around him, or they run past him, and he's just too lazy to get across and, and, and shut him down. And he wasn't quick enough to come out of the line and shut him down either. Um, so I was never really keen on, especially when you had James Roberts coming inside who couldn't, I mean, he couldn't tackle a three-year-old with one leg. <laughs> he's just, he's just hopeless defensively. Yeah. Um, so there's always going to be a case of Joey was going to come to the club and he was going to have to lose like six, seven, eight kilos minimum. He was going to have to improve his agility as a bare minimum. And he's going to have to sit down and shut up and learn how to play the game in a different style because Ricky Stewart's style is a lot different to Michael Maguire's style. Yeah. Um, and Lua had no intention of doing any of that because he just believed he was fucking king shit. And at the end of the day, if you can't get a starting spot in the West Tigers side that hasn't made the finals in 10 years, you're not king shit. You're just shit. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, if you can get a starting spot at the West Tigers, chances are you're probably shit. Well, shitish. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm glad we, we talked about that. Now, the NRL draw come out. Have you studied the draw? I have a little bit. Have I, have a, I have a little bit. I, I got asked uh, last year to write a piece sort of analysing the, the NRL draw for the League Unlimited website, and mm-hmm. they liked it, so they asked me to do it again this year. Yeah. So I, I did have a little bit of a look at it. I will say this about the draw. It's a lot more balanced and fairer this year than it was last year. So we haven't got games where, like, Say Penrith plays Parramatta twice in the space of a month, that stuff like that. Oh, there's some of that that takes place, but it's not as prevalent, and they're yeah, they're not as close. I don't think. I think there might be six six weeks between some of those games, that sort of yeah. thing. That's not bad. Six weeks isn't bad. Um, I haven't checked to see how many kilometres Penrith will travel compared to everybody else. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I'm very interested in how it's the draw is going to affect away support. Yeah, it's it is interesting. I'm not too sure what's what's going to happen there. I'm just trying to find the stats that I did here. Um, See, when the draw comes out, I literally put it on my website and do not look at it. Like I, I, I don't care about the draw until about one week out from the competition kicking off. <laughs> That's fair enough too. It's I think I think too much is made of the draw. Yeah, and the strength of draw. Yeah. Um. But saying that, it's going to have some impact. But uh, at the end of the day, 
if you're a good team, you're going to have to win more than half your games. Mm. Doesn't matter who the opponent is. And the thing but, is too, that like there's never that I can ever remember. I'm I'm sure you'll be the same where we got to the grand final winner and they're holding up the trophy and we're like, you know what? That that easier draw that they had by five percent during the season, that's why they're here now. Yeah. So some interesting takeaways from it. Mm-hmm. The the long lasting run of Brisbane having all of the Friday night games, that has ended. Mm-hmm. So they've got eight Friday night games, which is still pretty high, but Penrith have 10. They've got the most. Oh, really? That's interesting. Um, Brisbane, uh, Manly, South all have eight Friday night games. But surprisingly, the Bulldogs also have eight Friday games. Okay, so Channel 9 sees them as improving quite a bit, which I, I think they will, actually. They may do. Um the Roosters and the Warriors have seven. The Warriors? Yeah. It's okay, really but the Warriors would be the earlier game, wouldn't it? Um, possibly, yeah. Because that works really well for, if they're playing at home, which we will hope they are, that works really well for them. Yeah. Um, so when I look at Thursday and Friday night games, because these are the games that are going to be on Channel 9 in prime time mm-hmm. um, combined, Brisbane and Manly have 14 games. Penrith have 13. South 12. Melbourne 11. It's hard to argue with most of that. Um, when you're looking at the top four teams from last year having the, the most number of games there. And Brisbane, I mean, they're in that Brisbane market, so of course they're going to have a fair few. Yeah. And then it drops away. The Roosters and Parramatta have nine. Um, the Bulldogs have eight. And then you go down further and you've got, um, surprisingly, the West Tigers have just three. And the reason why that's a bit surprising is in the past, no matter how good they've gone in a season, and that's obviously more often than not, it's been pretty poor. They've always had a fair few games, like pretty high number of games on uh, Fridays and Thursdays. Yeah. So it seems that everyone has now started to turn off the West Tigers as far as watching them on Channel 9 goes. Well, you know, one of the things about watching them this year is they were hard to watch. Like, yeah. I, I, like there's losing games and stuff, but then there's losing games and watching a team where you're like, oh, they've given up and we're like 10 minutes into the match. Yeah. And so they've, they are getting very hard to watch for that. There's no doubt about it. Um, see what else we've got here. Trying to, uh, uh, I could see where the Manly Seagulls could fall off and them getting a lot of primetime games is a bit of a mistake. It's possible. If, if somebody said to me, of the, say, the top, say, six sides, who is the most likely to not make the finals next year? I would say definitely Manly. I'm not saying they won't make the finals, uh, but it's say... What? You know, I'm not convinced about what Parramatta's been doing in this off-season. Well, <laughs> I agree. Parramatta's off-season has been weirdly, um, weirdly drama. Backwards. <laughs> and, and, yeah, it's like they've, on one hand, with some of their players, they've said, we're going to commit to you guys. And even though, like, this is Parramatta's ceiling. We know what Parramatta's ceiling is. 
It's not being able to beat the Panthers or Storm. Now, that's pretty good ceiling for a finals team. But that's, you know, you want to try and break through that ceiling. But they've committed to players that you know that that's their ceiling. And then there's fringe players who they've sort of let go and haven't replaced. And, you know, they haven't really brought anyone in. It's it's a strange one. Yeah. Um. Now, looking at the strength of, of opponents, the Bulldogs have seven of their games against the top four teams from last year. Mm-hmm. And four of those games happen in a row, rounds three to round six. Wow. That's nuts. That's... Um, and they only have nine of their 24 games against teams that were ranked 10th or lower. Oh, wow. So they've got a pretty rough one. Um, Parramatta and the Roosters will play all of the top four sides twice. They're the only two teams that do that. The Storm, who obviously finished within that top four, they'll play the other three teams in the top four twice as well. Um, and the Warriors have landed seven games against the top four. At the other end, you've got the Titans, Cowboys and Dragons playing just five of the top four sides. And Parramatta will play four of their last six games of the regular season against the top four sides as well. And a rough lead in that one. Manly, Newcastle, Dragons, and the West Tigers will avoid any games against top four sides uh, from round 19 onwards. So they've got a soft run home. What way do you reckon is the best? Do, would you um, rather the last month and a half be a softer draw, or would you rather go in having just run through murderers row? I think you need to have a, a genuine mix, and it's got to be one week tough, one week you know, easier. And it's got to mix backwards and forwards like that. Mm-hmm. If you've got two or three games in a row, which are rough, there's a chance you'll pick up injuries, your form will drop, that sort of thing. So if you can mix it up along the way, there's a fair chance if you lose to a top side, you can pick up your form and, and stay positive with a win against the lower side the week after. And you carry a bit of form into the finals that way. Um, I think if you're going with too many games against um, bottom end of the ladder type teams, your form will tend to drop because you'll play good enough to beat the team you're up against. So you might still win the games, but you're playing worse. And so when you get to the finals, you're still at that level, but you're supposed to be at a much higher level. And you, I reckon more, more teams will probably lose um, their first finals match if they've had an, a soft run into the finals. I, I, You know what? I still look back at Parramatta this year when they had that big win over Melbourne. And they looked really good. And then they rested their players in the last round. And it yeah. was like, I mean, first of all, they it wasn't like they were minor premiers or anything. No. And it just felt like a massive mistake. And I said it at the time, and I still feel like that was a terrible mistake on their behalf. Um, I, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. The ideal, the ideal thing you want is a mix. Um, but I don't mind the last couple of rounds if you've had a hard couple of games, say the last two opponents, they say Parramatta and Pen, uh, Parramatta and the Storm. I wouldn't mind that going into the finals because you're used to playing at a certain level. As yeah. long as they haven't flogged you, that's you right. right. That's right. Now, the other one I look at is um, Day's turnaround. Mm-hmm. And this is another area where the, the draw has evened out compared to last year. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly enough, I found that with this, the Bulldogs have the most number of games with a full seven-day turnaround. 
Oh, wow. That's interesting. allows them to have a more regular routine as far as preparation, recovery, that sort of thing. Um, the Knights, the Cowboys, and the Dragons are the only teams to not have any five-day turnarounds. Mm-hmm. And the Bulldogs, Sharks, Manly, Parramatta, Penrith, and the Tigers all have three games with just a five-day uh, five gap, which is the, the maximum number um, any team's got for the five-day turnarounds. Now, you've um, got a statistical breakdown on turnarounds and how they affect performance. And ba- basically come to the con- – because everyone within the game says the shorter turnarounds are not ideal and, and they don't like the short turnarounds compared to the long ones – but the stats don't really back that up. It seems to be anecdotal. So yeah, it's anecdotal. So the it's just over fifty percent of the times, I think, from memory, it could have actually it might have even been closer to fifty five percent in recent times that the team with the five day turnaround actually went on to win the game. Mm. But um, and, and I remember when we did the, an episode about it, and the stats really showed it. It it really there was no difference. Though it started to seem like, man, and it was a while ago now, but it felt like the, the when you got further into, say, the eight and nine-day turnarounds, it was actually detrimental. Yeah, um, that is true. But the shorter ones weren't too bad at all. But we were because we talked about it at the time, we were saying how, you know, the players feel like they've they've got travel, they've got to come home, they then have a couple of training sessions, you've got rehab, You've got all this stuff and you're just rushing through it really quickly for the next game. So obviously you don't like that. That's not enough time to prepare. But the results don't show that, That's which right. I found really interesting. It'll be it'll be interesting to, though, I'll have to do some looking into it as, as to how much the 5 turnaround has impacted the game since these rule changes are coming, given that it's faster, whether it's been um, detrimental to teams, whether injuries have been increased because of that shorter turnaround. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I'll, I'll look into that. The on the flip side, um, the Bulldogs have eleven games with a full week between them. The Tigers have eight games with an eight-day turnaround. Wow! And Brisbane, yeah, and Brisbane and Manly have four games with nine-day turnarounds. Wow, that's a lot too. Yeah. Far it's, out. So it's, but overall, it's. The six and seven day turnarounds are pretty high all up for that makes up the bulk, at least half of the games for all the teams. Um, there are a few which have got less than half, but it's it's pretty consistent in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, Souths have eleven of their twenty four games being played with less than a full week gap, and that's that's the most there, and that's still not quite half. Mm-hmm. Um, Manly, Penrith, and the Tigers all have 11 games with more than a week turnaround between games. Wow. But the rest are all around that that 12 mark. I would, um, I would be more concerned if it was a non-Sydney team with so many short turnarounds, going yeah. back to the, the Bunnies. But I think for a Sydney team, it's, it's fine. So after looking at the number of Thursday and Friday night games, the number of games against top four sides from 2021 – the total strength of opposition games and games that have less than, more than, and exactly seven days turnaround. Mm-hmm. I, I concluded with the uh, top, toughest draw. Went to the Roosters, and then going down through it, 
toughest to softest was Roosters, Eels, Storm, Raiders, Bulldogs, Tigers, Warriors, Rabbitohs at the top half, then Dragons, Broncos, Cowboys, Knights, Manly, Penrith, Titans, and Cronulla. Does that mean if Penrith go back-to-back, we'll have done it only because of the soft draw? No. Because, oh. of, because the draw is so much closer. Yeah. The, 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 the difficulty between the Roosters draw and the Sharks draw, yeah. I believe, is so minimal it's not going to make that much of an of a difference. Oh really? It's that the, close, huh? Yeah. The only the only thing I might you might be able to conclude is um, the clubs that have got the more frequent um, days turnaround of, of of less than a week may be impacted by injuries a little bit more. Yeah. But that's there's no um, you know actual data to confirm that that would be the case it's more of an anecdote sort of thing mm-hmm. well that's interesting hearing all that I, I literally don't look at the draw as i said i i chuck it up and but i find i find analysis like that interesting i really do yeah i, I did find as holy for people did their own versions of the draw difficulty and everyone's come up with different versions as to who's got the most difficult draw mm-hmm. which just goes to show how close it is yeah and how everyone's basically got the same sort of difficulty with their draws. Just depends on what aspect you're looking at the most. But yours is better. Well, mine, well, I wouldn't say better. I'd say mine's the best. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's it. Award-winning. Um, Award-winning, absolutely. Now, we have more YouTube comments to go through, because why the fuck not? Absolutely. we got. T- I mean, it's the off-season. We need content. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. We're we're not like the uh the Telegraph and, and the Herald where they just make shit up. We actually use our own content. Sorry, or or Channel Nine coming out with um you know the best team with mustaches and the best team with headgear and they all get it wrong anyway. I know, right? Yeah. yeah so you showed me the best team with headgear. It's funny because <laughs> I've got I've got I think I have like six or seven of those on my website. Yeah. That's why I showed it to you because I mean you've already done this. Yeah, and did it like fucking ten years ago or something. Yeah. But then they put out the best team with headgear, and it's like, do these cunts know rugby league outside of the last ten years? No, nope. because they only left off like an immortal in Dave Brown. Just Dave Brown. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about him. He's only called the Bradman of League. Do they not know who Bradman was? <laughs> fucking hell. Oh jeez, Bradman did didn't he play for the Sydney Sixers? Oh, well, you definitely played for the Roosters somewhere, surely. <laughs> you lived at Bondi. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, so we were, uh, we'd gone through about half of them, you said. Yeah. Last episode. Um, so we, let's we, get stuck into one. Yeah, I don't think we'll get through the other half because there's a lot more comments as uh, from this period onwards. But we'll, yeah. we'll try and get through as many as we can. We'll break it into three parts. Yeah. Why not? Maybe four just to stretch out the content unless yeah, people start. Well, let's make it a 27 part series. Let's do it. We'll just, we'll just do one word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one word at a time. Um, so this one is from the breaking video, the Australian kangaroos, um, was it Australian kangaroos versus New Zealand, all blacks cross code game possible. Uh, yeah. episode that you did, which uh, ends up being bullshit, more bullshit. It was more bullshit, but we had quite a bit of conversation on this one. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Samuel Spoons said, would have liked 
first a sevens comp involving NRL teams and a trans-Tasman super sides. Um, Home One said, these talks happen every five years. It was supposed to be a game at Wembley last time. Not sure I like the hybrid rules idea, having watched the trial games on here. I I Uh, agree, yep. Yeah, fully agree there. Um, Matt Strahorn said, how sad the Wallabies can get a looking cross-code game coming. And (laughs) Gus201 replied, Considering the Wallabies and Kangaroos have already had a cross-code game, it makes sense. But yeah, that, but that was, hasn't been for like 100 years. Yeah, that was a while back. Yeah. <laughs> um, Hitman Hearn said, would absolutely love it. Our boys could easily beat the All Blacks in a hybrid game. And obviously, to start the conversation, someone, TB Omar says, I don't think easy because it's a different sport, but I would be interested to see how it went. And then he said, yeah, where did that wrong? When I say easy, I mean by 10 points. <laughs> and so I said, single fin says, can't even beat Tonga, you flog. That's good. Settle down why you got to be a dickhead. Well, you got problems, mate. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I reckon by 10 sounds right. Too soon. Um, well, I wouldn't count out the ABs. A lot of people seem to be writing them off completely. And some bloke going by the name Russell Packer <laughs> said, Are you serious? The All Blacks would wipe the floor of your two state nobodies. Shows how desperate the rugby league is to try and get relevancy outside the housing commission areas of Queensland and parts of New South Wales. That's pretty funny, that, actually. That sounds like someone who's uh, who who I know of on Twitter who's uh, who rage listens. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He, know, he knows everything. He'd be listening now. How, how you doing? Whatever you're calling yourself at the moment. Um, flog. I think he's yeah. straight to name. Yeah. Okay. Um, TV Mars then said, "Love your work, boys. Watch every show. A bit shy to send things in, but just wanted you guys to know that I love your work." Oh, uh, that's very nice to hear. Thanks, champion. Um, what's the next one here? Uh, breaking Paul Green sacked by the Cowboys and TBO Mars says got stale. Is, he did. He got stale. That's a really good point. Um, next one, Toronto Wolfpack withdraw from the 2020 Super League. Had a few comments on this one as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Biggin from Wigan said they were a joke club anyway. They used to train in England and planned to fly out to Toronto the day before the game with the team they they were playing against on the same flight and then fly back an hour or two after the match. Super League clubs like Wakey, Kaz, Stafford will be better off without the extra cost of flying to Toronto maybe twice a year. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Wakey, Castleford and stuff, they don't need exposure in a city of 6 million people across the Atlantic. They just need the exposure of, like, you know, Wigan, St. Helens, yeah. little towns like that. Yeah. Um, Lee Anglican Church. You go out there to a fate, pick up a few scones and then go and play a game of rugby league in front of 12 people just after church. Weirdness. Weirdness. I, I tell you what, uh, there's a big market called Osset that has yet to be really one over there. I haven't tapped into that one yet. Oh, Osset. I'm waiting for the uh, Immingham Oilers to, to come into the game. <laughs> um, Toronto Wolfpack NRL America. I don't want to hear from the UK about expanding the game. They've been exposed as being full of shit only for a quick buck. Yeah, he's right. He's completely right. That's Sefo like, Asui. Sorry, go on. No, that's that's who made that comment was Sefo Asui. You were okay. saying? Uh, yeah, like if you look at the expansion in Super League, the only one that's really works are Catalan Dragons, and that's because they were their own thing anyway. You know? Yeah. Um, 
if if the Catalan Dragons were kicked out of Super League tomorrow, they would not miss a single game. They'd be straight to the French comp and they'd still be themselves, you know. Yep. So every other expansion effort by Super League has been uh, pathetic, it, just absolutely pathetic. Yep. Uh, Simon Hughes said, it's a stupid decision anyway from Super League. Super League would probably help Sky TV because the English Premier League is finished this weekend. I know any content to put on Sky Sports. So, it's, it was funny at the time. A lot of English people didn't seem to give too much of a shit about the uh, the Toronto Wolfpack and whether they survived or not, which I found rather odd. Yeah, I did too. Like, if 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 the Toronto Wolfpack had been a, a NRL team and that had happened, it would have been devastating for the NRL competition to lose that potential exposure in what would have been the biggest uh, city in the top flight of professional rugby league. And over in in England, most people just didn't care. It was so weird. Yeah, they saw it as as a burden to them. Yeah. Just like they're seeing that Newton is at Coventry. Yeah. Uh, Was it Coventry? I can't remember. We both get it wrong. Yeah, we but we were getting it wrong. Coventry, that's like, the C. Yeah, one of those C places. There's a yeah. heap of C places in England. There really is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't Castleford. We know that one. No, no. Uh, what's the next one here? Statistics: the best NRL teams of all time by win percentage. Um. Someone called the Glorious League Freak replied with, I like the Penrith Panthers. They will add their names to the list by season's end. He sounds like a fucking prophet. <laughs> sounds like he's got it absolutely nailed too. That it was a year like, ago. It sounds, like he, it sounds like he might have logged into his YouTube account once in the last fucking 18 months and decided to do that with it. That's right. Um, <laughs> statistics, the, 20, the top 20 worst NRL teams of all time. Mm-hmm. And uh, our old mate's rugby league history said, poor old university. Yeah. And um, this absolute champion of a human, Jill Ferguson, said, uh, Wally proved that being a great player doesn't always mean that you can coach, unless you're Mel Meninga. If you start with a seagull as a mascot, you can't expect much. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> um, the, the episode, Ivan and the Salty Spud. Mm-hmm. Um, Glorious League Freak replied on this one. I really like everything that was said in this episode. <laughs> He's full of great content, this bloke. He, he really we is. Should, he should we should have, get him on. He should have more to do with this podcast, I reckon. Uh, <laughs> and there's some bloke by the name of Carsten Brummer replied oh. saying, he said, uh, except what you said, by the way, are you keen for a discussion about marketing, brackets, branding of the rugby league comps on different levels? We're we're keen to have a discussion about anything you want to talk about, Carsten. Uh, yeah, I would talk to Carsten about anything. We got to set it up. Yeah. Um, the round seventeen preview of the twenty twenty NRL season with Nadine and NRL Jai stuff replied with, "Was the Oporto good?" The answer is always yes. Oh yeah, it's one hundred percent yes every single time. <laughs> Next one comes from the video. Stunny Bill Williams sucks for thirteen minutes. <laughs> and uh, Yoshi Horror replied, classic sideline shit talkers. And I, I've got to take umbrage of that because we're not on the sideline. We are classic, though. 
Yeah, we are very classic sideline. Fuck going to games. Yeah. Uh, the episode, Pierce off Mitch. And uh, Jill Ferguson has also chipped in here. She said, uh, the thing that keeps me awake at night, apart from Ducky's freaking rooster, is will Bob get the matching set for the bloody ring? Um, that, that feels like a comment for me. <laughs> That, what a bloody good one at that. What's the story with the rooster? There's this bloke that we had out where I grew up. Um, he was he did excavating, earth moving, that sort of stuff. So because he was always on the on the water building dams and stuff like that, he was called Ducky. Okay. I assume that's why he got his name. Yeah. Um, but he had a rooster, yeah. and it just crows all okay. the fucking time. I'm not, guess- not just not just when the sun comes up, just all the time. All the time. Yeah. I'm guessing this rooster's dead by now. I'm pretty sure it's it's um it's met some form of demise. Okay. I'm not sure. I was going to say we could put a, a price on the head of this rooster <laughs> to allow Jim Ferguson to sleep well at night. <laughs> that would. Uh, I wonder what price you'd put on a rooster for that. It's a good question. Like we should yeah. we should ask. We could get someone from a porto to come on and answer that question. All right. Well, Porto is owned by the same parent company as Red Rooster, so seamless, seamless transition there. Very seamless. Um, rugby league in Great Britain becomes irrelevant. Simon Hughes replied, maybe if you're based in Vancouver, they could play in the NRL. Be an interesting concept. And Carsten uh, Brummer, <laughs> he's replied with, I'm very angry. If you want to do a podcast you can't publish, I would be available. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. That's funny. I've got a feeling Carsten might be uh, frequenting a little bit more in these uh, comments. He's going to be he's going to be on podcast coming up too. You know, oh, yeah. Vancouver is actually, you'd have to, I'm guessing you'd have to travel from Vancouver to LA and then LA to Sydney. It, that's a long travel. It's It's a bit of a journey. Yeah. It's hard to do in a car. Yeah, true, true. And the away fans thing, once again. Well, that's the away fans. I mean, they're not going to bring any away fans, are they? Yeah. And why would we even have rugby league if you can't have away fans? That's right. Um, The Toronto Wolfpack and Make Rugby League Great Again petition. Play the ball (laughs) rugby league channel says, Super League have no idea how to conduct things. Look at their sponsorship free pizzas for fuck's sake. It's beyond a joke. The RFL need to take some clubs. Leeds, Warrington, Wigan, St. Helens, London Broncos, Catalan, Toulouse, etc. Split off and leave the Super League, who are anti-expansionists. Add some other expansion clubs into the second division, like Dublin, Edinburgh, Newcastle, Thunder. Well, I think we talked about that a little bit, didn't we? Where we yeah. said the lower division, while it had, say, uh, Toronto and, and Toulouse, it had a little bit more to it, and it wouldn't take much to make that interesting. So, yeah. 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 Um, Sefa Asui, regular commenter, he said, um, keep it up, guys, superb content. Then Poms are useless as usual. Also very untrustworthy admin, and the result regarding Toronto shows that NRL have done more for the game as usual. Yep, 100%. Uh, <laughs> Brent Naden's positive drugs test plus oh. ask potato. Hashtag ask the boss. Um, Carsten Brummer says, I would run your Insta, but I'm not sure if the French would like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Imagine Carsten running it and all the on this days he would put up. <laughs> It'd be interesting. 
did the uh, well, you know, he likes his history. Yeah, he does. He does. Well, <laughs> um, NRL having talks to buy 51% of Super League for 134 million. Uh, Simon Hughes said, totally agreed. The worst idea to put money into Super League. I agree with you. Every better spent in Perth, Adelaide, and Wellington, and maybe Christchurch. Mm-hmm. Uh, By the way, on that eva- on that price evaluation, looking at where Super League is now, how fucking outrageous! If you gave that- 134 million dollars, I'd be looking for a lot more than 51 percent. I'd be looking for a lot more than about 151 <laughs> percent. I was gonna say I'd be looking for about 2,000 percent of Super League. I want all of English Rugby League for that money. Yeah. Um. The York City Knights Super League bid with Gavin Wilson. Mm-hmm. Um, VSXG Mod said, just been to order my season ticket today. Ah, nice. Excellent. And uh, I think this one might be more for you, mate, given that you look after our uh, our marketing sites and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, there's uh, Laura Dunbar. She said she appreciates our friendship. I set up your auto profit site with done for you 6K monthly income. There's a lot more. Or talk there. She's done a lot of numbers, mate. Um, and she also said there's some sort of uh, 15% discount with some code. That's fantastic. I'll have to get that uh, link off of you and immediately put my credit card details into it. I'm sure that's what that's. Really, I mean, she she pre, she appreciates your friendship. Well, I, Laura. Laura, you know, she, yeah. She's a she's a real person. Yeah. Um, I appreciate her friendship as well. Um. The 12 Days of Rugby League Christmas. Uh, Rugby League history reply with good episode, very politically incorrect. <laughs> he could that have said that about everything we've done. <laughs> doesn't sound like us. Um, who's been turning the house down? And Rugby League history again says, uh, League Freak is one of the most politically incorrect people I've ever heard. <laughs> Thank you. Um how to waste £750,000 be Super League. Footy balls says, it sucks that a sport that I love so much seems like it's hanging on by a thread in perpetuity. At least NRL just signed $2 billion deal for TV rights. What the fuck does a Super League have on live streaming service? Honestly, what's so damn super about it? That's a good point. It's in such a bad state. I can't believe where English Rugby League is. Oh, absolutely. Um... The history episode, the 1997 season, Rugby League history. Um, he made this comment just nine days ago. Oh, wow. He says, I think one thing about Newcastle in 97 is in some ways they were very lucky to win the premiership that year. They were down 20 nil in the first week of the finals with Parramatta, then they lost to Manly before playing Norse. If Jason Taylor didn't have the worst kicking day of his career, the Norse would have won that match. In the grand final against Manly, Manly had a penalty goal late in the game, which they missed, which would have won it. Then Newcastle won on the bell. Take nothing away from them, but they had a lot a lot of things fell into place for Newcastle for that win. It did not like it was part of their fairy tale with that that Norths game. And that was Jason Taylor. Like that Norths team looked like one of the best of the three teams in the competition for what, four or five years at a point there. And they'd get to the finals and they'd look good, but they just didn't have what it took. It was really weird. Yeah, they, they just fell apart every time. Mm. It's kind of like Parramatta now. Yeah, I guess it is, isn't it? Very much so. It's we should move Parramatta to the Central Coast. Well, at least at least over over the bridge. Yeah, definitely. 
and that way Balmain can take over that Parramatta region. Well, they call it their jungle. Yeah. Well, they could take that. They could take that ground, which is rightfully theirs anyway, because it's in the Balmain area. Yep. And then they could just, you know, pull apart the merger and let the magpies die and just be, be Balmain again. Jeez, that's going to trigger some magpies fans. But you stand by it, don't you, Andrew? Why not? <laughs> <laughs> hey, did you see the new Hull FC jersey? I did. It looks very, very Magpies 1978. It really does. It really does. That, look, they, they showed lots of old school pictures of them wearing a, a, a white V on the black jersey. But I I got to say, I'd, I'd never seen it. And when I saw that jersey, I was like, holy shit, they, it looks like a, a low grade team. You know how low grade teams use NRL jerseys? Yeah. That's all it reminded me of. But, you know, it's fine. It's classic design. It it's, just, hard, it's hard to go wrong with black and white, though. You can't really fuck it up. Yeah, true, true. And I'm, I'm just glad they don't do those fluoro council worker jumpers anymore. Oh, God, they were terrible. <laughs> um, a busy day in the National Rugby League. Uh, big bad ad said, if the NRL was being formed today, there would be at least four teams in Brisbane. As a one-eyed Broncos fan from Queensland, I believe in hindsight. The Broncos bid to join the New South Wales Rugby League was a poorly thought-out idea. Considering having a city of around 1.3 million at the time, having one team representing Brisbane as a whole in the league, at that time, Sydney had 11 teams based in Greater Sydney, which at the time had a population of 3.5 million. Brisbane had its own rich history of rugby league dating back to 1909 that has largely been forgotten about since the formation of the Broncos, which caused dissolution amongst a lot of rugby league fans in Brisbane. That is true. but And that, that comp in Brisbane at the time in the 80s mm-hmm. was easily equal to the Sydney comp. Easily. Mm-hmm. Um, you think of how many teams in the uh, New South Wales Rugby League were taking place in a Brisbane comp. I mean, the Raiders were mostly made up of Brisbane players. Yeah. Um, Manly were starting to take some from there as well. A lot of teams were starting to take players from that Brisbane comp, and then they went and brought in... Yeah, a lot of people you know, say, you know, the bringing of the Broncos did the damage, but the Seagulls also took a lot of players out of that Brisbane comp as well when they came in. Yeah. They didn't take too many players from Sydney, barely any. They all come out of the Brisbane comp. And it it really did uh, um, reduce the quality of that Brisbane comp immensely and immediately, which is a bit disappointing. But at the same time, you can't say that it hasn't been good for rugby league in Brisbane either. Like, it's, it's hard to argue against. Like, I mean, look what the Broncos are. They can come in last place. And yeah. they're still a juggernaut of a club. That's right. And and like look at everything they've built up there. Without the Broncos, we don't see what we see at Suncorp Stadium right now. Um, I, I guess the thing to remember is at the time, it was part of a of a of a uh, a roadmap that they had to expand more into Queensland, and so. Like we had the Broncos, and at the time they were called the Giants. They weren't the Seagulls yet. The Gold Coast Giants, Gold Coast Tweed Tweed Heads Giants, come into competition, and then, and it, it's weird because it, it it's a lifetime at that moment. But like seven years later, we've got more expansion with the uh, Crushers come in, but then Super League hits, and it all goes to shit. Yeah. And I mean that Super League stuff started pretty early on in the Broncos' history too, so it was uh, mm. 
It's been brewing for a while. Um, Beanie Carr also replied with, hey, I subscribed. Oh, nice. Thank you. Yeah. Um, the Parramatta Eels' decision to ditch their cheerleaders with Julie. Um, God's elect Atlantis R-A-E-L, said, Para, bring back the cheerleaders. I've supported the club for 40 years and hope they reconsider this decision. And Bruce15485 said, whoever made this decision did not have women's interests in mind. Parramatta Leagues, you have now joined the rest of the backward grey world thinkers. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I just don't understand the whole idea of, like, we're getting rid of the cheerleaders because we value women. It's like, what do you think the cheerleaders are? You know, they love what they do. You listen to that episode, listen to the episode I did with uh, Darcy McDonald, who was a former um, Bulldogs cheerleader. Um, They love it. They absolutely love it. Yeah. And to take it away from the cheerleaders, it's, it's terrible. And it's always done in the name of, of progress for women. And it's like, well, why don't you talk to the women before you sack them? Yeah, sorry. Progress for women. You're all unemployed. Yeah, it makes no sense. <laughs> um, the episode Leave State of Origin Alone. Sefo Asui said, New Zealand Rugby League is a basket fucking case. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree with that. Um, it's hard to be critical of it at this point because now it's been isolated. Um, but, yeah, I, I feel like there needs to be some pretty big reforms in New Zealand Rugby League. And I... Look, I wouldn't be against it all coming under the guise of a, an Australasian rugby league where, you know, they merge with the Australian rugby league and that way funding can be funneled into New Zealand from the NRL because something needs to change over there. The talent's there. There's no doubt about that, but I feel as though there's, it's just not run as well. And, you know, it, it there needs to be some change. Yeah. Uh Pretty soon, too. Um, the episode, Penrith finally happy to have the clap. Sefo uh, <laughs> Asui said, I love the Crichton mind games. The harms in Luai and Cleary, Master Nugget Tuo, Grant Kickout and the rest. Oh, sorry, Giant Kicking and the rest. The edge with which Penrith play, totally different, but feels totally right. Proper footy. Yeah, that was a, that was a cool game. That was the game where we uh, broke the Canberra Raiders. They were never the same after that game. That's right. Um, the West Tigers, the boulevard of broken dreams. Uh, Rugby League history just nine days ago replied to this one. Um, the West Tigers are the worst run club in the NRL, the worst retention and recruitment as well. With other teams who have come last or near the bottom, over time you see improvement or light at the end of the tunnel. For West, I see no light or no hope. Yeah, he's right. Like, as a, as a Tigers fan, what do you look forward to next year? Um... Um, another documentary? Because, I mean, that was a good laugh. At least you don't have to put up with having claws on your logo anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. at least the logo's not lying anymore. True, true. What they should have next is just a picture, not of a tiger, but of just a little kitten curled up having a nap. That would be cute. It would I, be cute. I, I really hope they name the Perth team the Quokkas, hey? Yeah, that's got to happen. It really, it would be amazing. It would. Be. It, it has to happen. There's just no other way around. It, it has to happen. Yeah. It's actually 
you know, I'm going to stop doing video comments for a sec because it's actually reminded me of another news story that came out during the week where Peter Volandi suggested that the next expansion market for the NRL is not Perth, it's going to be Kenya. I saw that, actually. <laughs> that was interesting. Um, there was a, from memory, there was a a long-distance runner who had got involved in helping set up Kenyan Rugby League. And, of course, he was based in Brisbane. And he was talking about the the athletes there in Kenya. And then somebody asked Volandis about it. Volandis was all positive about it. Way more positive than he was about Perth. Yeah. Which is interesting. Um, um, it's worth noting that the rugby league in Kenya is, uh, it genuinely is in its infancy. They've mm-hmm. only just started having a local comp there, I think, in the last two or three years. And it's only got like, three or four teams, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um so to be talking about going there as some sort of market is um, it's crazy talk, especially when you've got, say, you know, the only nation in the world where rugby league is the national sport in Papua New Guinea. Mm-hmm. Not too far time-wise up from, like, the North Queensland Cowboys base. Yeah. You don't have to go all the way over to Africa. They're just a little bit more up from, from North Queensland. And they love it, and they've got some great talent that are already playing in the NRL. Like, go there first, you fucking idiot. Yeah, true. It's yeah. interesting. There's, um, like, I see little bits and pieces of the game starting to be played in different parts of Africa. I saw, I saw there's quite a bit going on, I believe, in Ghana, um, which is interesting. And it, it's going to be interesting to see how many of those players end up filtering and I think they'll start filtering first into the European competitions and probably France uh, first but uh, it's going to be interesting to see when we see some of the players from Africa really starting to get into the top flights of the game um, it, it, and the thing I love when you see pictures of it like the grounds they're playing on are really terrible like they're really rough and yeah. their jerseys are a bit baggy and stuff like that. And it's just, you wonder if if you could find a place where you put together rugby league and it is so just brutal and tough that when you get a player out of there, they're just like, kind of like what we see out of Papua New Guinea, where you get a Papua New Guinea player and like, you think of the hardest competition you've had in, say, Brisbane or Sydney or something, and, like, a player from Papua New Guinea is, like, they've been through physical wars <laughs> playing the game. And so just playing at the NRL level is nothing to them. It'd be interesting if you could cultivate that environment in a different country where you kind of isolated that environment and it just is, like, you know, it's like steel sharpening steel, and all of a sudden it starts spitting out all of these amazing players. I wonder if we get to that point. I'd love to. That'd be fantastic. That would be really cool, hey? Absolutely. Like, I guess to a certain extent, that's what State of Origin did for Australian Rugby League too, where we were throwing our best players against each other, and the other side of that, we were putting together Australian teams that there was nothing that another test team could throw at them that they hadn't seen three times that year already. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's right. 
Um, I mean, we did the same thing with the Warriors, I guess, when we brought them in. Yeah, 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 that's true. Um, the Matt Burton contract situation with special guest Nadine. Uh, TBO Mars says, sounds like a bunch of salty Penrith fans. You can't keep them all. Yeah, we, we well, I think we said that in the episode that we can't keep them all. And, you know, when you're a Penrith fan, it's just, it's part of the, it's part of the deal. You lose players because you can't keep them all. This is um, you about that. No, no, but not salty about it. Just would have made cool to keep him. Well, I reckon we could probably leave that one there because there's about 60 more to go through until we've caught up. Okay. Be, I reckon that'd be almost enough for another good episode. Yeah, we'll do that in the next two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> we'll try and do it within the next 13 days at least. Yeah, yeah, 100%. <laughs> it's been a while since our last episode, and that's all Andrew's fault. Exactly, absolutely it is. <laughs> so I'm, uh, You know what? I'll even be honest. I'll come out and say that usually what happens is um, at night time, once everyone's gone to bed here, I um I sit down and say to Freaky, all right, I'm going to be available from about 10.30 onwards. And for the last week and a half, it's got to 10.30, and I've I've realised I'm starting to nod off already. And before I even get a chance to tell him, I'm already fast asleep. <laughs> oh, and then I think I only had one or two days where that didn't happen, and <laughs> you were fast asleep. Yeah, yeah, I was, yeah. I was gone. I was completely gone. Well, uh, we weren't quite synchronised this past week. No, no, but we'll we'll uh, we'll sort it out. We're back on track now, I reckon. That's right. That's right. I'll get, just keep getting more caffeine into us. We'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. It's only sleep. Yeah, it, all it does is repair your brain. It's not like we're using it. Exactly. <laughs> so, so, um, where where can people find us? Well, that's I was, was going to ask you that question. Oh, um, shit, I don't know. That's right. Well, yeah, they can find us on the social media if they go to uh, Twitter and Instagram. You can find us at Fergo Freak Pod. If you go to LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, MySpace, you'll find us in all of those places as well. Make sure you give us a follow, a subscribe, a like, all those gears, um, especially over at YouTube, because as you can tell, we're now reading all the comments. So, you know, go over there, leave some comments, like all the videos as well, because we're going to read them out um, and answer your questions as, as we go. Um Plus, it'd be good for all the algorithms over there. So why not? Yeah. Um, yeah, also, you can make sure you go over to uh, patreon.com slash leaguefreak and you can give the bloke there a few coins. Um, that'll help him pay for the, the next 17 websites he's going to buy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I almost bought two more. Hey, I had to stop myself. I'm not surprised. <laughs> you can't help yourself. Um and while you got the uh, while you got the card out, you can go over to uh, patreon.com slash rlproject and you can uh, make a monthly donation over there from as little as a dollar a month. Um, that's the same on Freaky's one as well. Um, yeah, at the moment too, I'm, I've started work on the second Rugby League Project annual. Mm-hmm. So hopefully we'll get that finished within the next month or so. Very, very uh, optimistic timeline there. It'll probably come out in February. <laughs> <laughs> and then on to the big announcement. Well, we've got the the uh, the league. What is it? King of Rugby League Awards are coming up, aren't they? Ah, yes, they are. We should maybe do that. Shouldn't do that next next Sunday. Sounds good. Yeah, I'm keen on that. We've had a good fun. We'll get That's... the tuxedos out. 
Uh, I'll well, I'll give mine a wash and wear something else for a day because I haven't taken mine off since the last awards. <laughs> what can I say? It's very spiffing. Spiffing. All right. Spiffing. So, uh, yeah, we, we'll do that. Bring out the, the gala awards night. Just so we can drum up a special guest for the hell of it. Yeah, random guest. Uh, who could we get? Carsten. Yeah, let's ask Carsten on. He can help us with the International Player of the Year because he's a fan of the International Rugby League. Well, we don't have an International Player of the Year. We've got a Rep Player of the Year. Well, same thing. Yeah. We need someone to give us the perspective of the international players as well before yeah. we disregard them and just go with what we're going to go with anyway. I'm sure we'll pick a French player. Oh, he will. Loves the French players. Really loves them. Yeah. Unhealthy fascination with France. <laughs> <laughs> so he's talking about it, saying what a great place to be to, to live, just to pretty, be there. Like, just pretty sure he lives in the, uh, the Carcassonne region of France. <laughs> He just whenever he's talking about France, he's always like, "What's mine is theirs, and theirs is mine." I don't know what that means, but anyway. Yeah, I don't know. He's he, he loves the place. He does. We could wax lyrical about Carsten's uh, passion for France, but you know we should probably wind this one up. I think. Yeah. True. Um, <laughs> thanks for tuning, in, everyone. Make sure you uh, subscribe to us as well, and and leave a five star rating and and leave us a review because we'll read that as well out on the podcast and we'll pop it up on the website too. So uh, make sure you do that. That would be awesome. And uh, we'll catch you all next time.